0: Hello everybody and welcome to this edition of the racing insiders podcast. This is episode 164. I looked it up today. Uh, pretty excited that it's uh, 164 episodes so far. And uh, I also have some fun news to report to is we have just reached to over 3,000 subscribers over on YouTube. So if you're watching on YouTube, um, hit that subscribe button. Or if you're watching on Facebook, go find us on our YouTube channel. It's pretty easy. Just Crate Insider will get you there. Uh, so tonight we have a special guest, somebody I've known for a number of years who's helped me so much as I have tried to put together tech videos and learn things about race cars and in so many different categories and a good friend of mine Ben Baker he is the sales engineer from afco performance group and so welcome welcome to the show ben
1: thanks for having me hopefully Absolutely. we'll get to do it this time
0: I know well you were you were traveling last time and like you're like okay first time in my life I don't even have data <laughs>
1: like yeah I was sitting there and the little symbol in the top went away and So I got to looking later on once I finally got internet again and they said like the whole Southern Illinois lost signal for two hours there (laughs) where I was.
0: Yeah. The two hours during the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, exactly
1: when we had to start.
0: Well, I know that you spend most of your time on the road. Um, You go to so many places and I think you're home. Like how how long do you get to be home for this time?
1: Yeah, I'm home until Sunday.
0: Oh, look at that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Because where were you just, just in this past week?
1: I uh, just started the uh, let's see the Super Nationals. We I left a week ago Thursday and parked and got all set up, and then uh, they had the preludes, and then the whole week of the Super Nationals. If you if you're in, involved with IMCA at all, you you know about the Super Nationals, and it's a it's a grueling week. You know, Vendor Road where we were set up at it opens at 9 a.m. and then. I think the earliest we got back to the hotel any night was 9 p.m. So it's, uh, it's certainly a long, long, long
0: week. Yeah. And, uh, how many cars did they have this time?
1: Uh, it was a little over a thousand for the, for the whole week. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal for them. Um, One thing
0: thing I've heard is it's a really well-run show though.
1: It is. Um, you know, Monday night, Tuesday night, um, I think we were done. They were done racing somewhere right around midnight, um, and then Wednesday night went a little long, so they adjusted how their their format was to where Thursday night and Friday night we were done by like eleven o'clock. Uh, so it they get get it moving through. I mean, they run like Wednesday night, for instance, they ran um, sixty heat races, four qualifier and four qualifying a mains, and probably two dozen b mains. And was able to get them all done. So, and everybody still got the hot lap too.
0: Wow, um, yeah. how did the weather hold up? I didn't actually. It was watch great.
1: It, it was probably one of the better Super Nationals I've been to. Um, first few days it was kind of hot. You know, it was mid nineties, which is really hot for Central Iowa for that time of year. And then the rest of the week, it was like mid mid upper seventies for high. Uh, we didn't have the we didn't have the rain to deal with like we have in years past for you to wade through mud uh, ankle deep. Uh, so that was a nice welcome site. Um, so, yeah, this was, uh, that was year 16 checked off for going up there for that.
0: Wow. Your year 16 or like the 16th year my, of Supernatural? My year okay. 16. Wow. Yeah, it's a long time. And how long have you been at uh, AFCO Performance?
1: I've been there, started 16 years ago.
0: Oh, okay. As of
1: as of about a month ago.
0: Wow. I guess that was your initiation. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, that was, actually I started, uh, my first trip was the North-South 100, and then we went to the Topless 100, and then went to um, U.S. Nationals, and then to the Super Nationals all within that first month that I started there. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know if that's called hazing, I think they would call that hazing now. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, and you do so much um, with the whole AFCO Performance Group and and Longacre and and tell us a little bit about what you do.
1: Uh, so I'm really involved with a lot of our product development and tech support. Uh, so any kind of new product, uh, whether I submit, you know, a, a new product idea or someone else on the team does, um, I basically get out and do a lot of the testing with it in the field. Um, so you know, putting it on cars, going to racetrack working with racers to give them feedback to us. Um, So that's that's one major aspect of what I do. Uh, The tech side of it, you know, we do some videos. Um, I do a ton of seminars, Um, you know, travel all over the country. You've been involved with some of those seminars Mm -hmm. before, uh, trade shows, things like that. And then, uh, you know, part of, I have an engineering background, so I help, you know, troubleshoot areas that we have problems with. Uh, work with purchasing, making sure we're getting the right parts purchased and getting them, you know, when we need them and not over buying or under buying them. Um, you know, work with our exec team with pricing and different things like that. So I'm pretty well involved about every aspect of the business, really.
0: That's exciting. And it looks like we've got a couple of comments here. So I see Scott is here and he says, hi, Kate and Ben and happy Monday from way out West in California. So Scott is always the first one to comment, and thanks for joining us, Scott. Um, Yeah, California, they've definitely had their uh, challenges this year, for sure. Uh, Yeah, yeah, a lot of things that none of us had on our bingo cards for 2023. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) For sure. And let's see, Web Racing, I'm back. I fuel-injected my 604. I could use some AFCO drag shocks, running a CalTrack 9010.
1: Yeah, so if you're running a Caltrack um and you are actually running a 604, um, you know, there's a couple of different ways you can go about that. Um, if you're, you know, ideally a double adjustable is what we use on all the drag cars. Um, just it gives you a lot more tunability with the car. In your case, with that kind of power, you don't need anything crazy, crazy stiff by no means. Um, you know, that old school ninety ten, for instance, um, that's probably a little bit too stiff for the rear on the extension. Um, But you're, you know, like a 38, the standard 38 series for us, so like a 3870 or something like that, depending on your lengths and everything, you get the right part number, but that would be the shock that we would recommend for what you've got there.
0: That's great. And anybody else who has questions for Ben, uh, feel free to drop them in. I even forgot to mention that, you actually build a lot of shocks as yeah. well i've seen you in there yeah the i do i do build a lot trailer. of
1: shocks um you know a lot of our r and d work you know i'm i'm putting shocks together for you know probably the very first time for a lot of a lot of our different series that we came up with over the years um you know going out working with working with drivers and tuning those i mean that's what we did at super nationals all last week that's all all service work and it's all custom tuning you know so we're at that racetrack and we basically are working with drivers to tune for that very specific race uh so yeah definitely definitely in and out of shocks a lot probably i'd say on average i probably work on 50 shocks a week
0: mm. wow that's a lot especially with everything else that you do <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> all right looks like we got another shock question here too so henry asks ben hello are we ever going to get the 510 or 412 or any heavy valving 14 series shock again
1: um more than likely not um that shock is very very difficult to uh to get right um so you know that shock is a all of those 14 series shocks are something that we get from an outside vendor. Uh, we don't have the equipment to weld that shock together like you get it. Uh, so we're relying on them to build that shock and hit the kind of tolerances that we want to have. And when you get to those stiff rebound numbers in particular, in this case, um, it's really, really hard to keep it consistent with the environment that they're putting that shock together in. Um, there's a, you know, we've, we've gotten a few of them in and cut them apart and look at them and see where the issues are. And a lot of it's just, you know, dirt and debris. And it's just because of the environment that they put them together in. Um, so to keep from putting a bad product out there, we, we decide not to put any product out there for those kind of numbers. Now, you know, we, we do continue to work with them to hopefully get something resolved, but I'm not holding my breath that we'll get to those.
0: Yeah, and uh I heard welding and shocks in the same sentence. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I know that you have something to say about that. Good I love that story. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. So 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 tell us a little about welding and shocks.
1: Yeah, so shocks um, you know, you see that really nice pretty shaft. And you know, they're they look like a great place to either a clip a ground onto because it's gonna ground it really well. Or B, when you're welding on the cars, make sure your ground is in the right location. So I probably get anywhere from two to four shocks a month where someone has a ground on the frame and then they weld onto the rear end. And the rear end is supported in most cases by rubber bushings or things like that. And the ground runs right through the shaft of the shock. It's a perfect, you know, conductor or they got the ground on the rear end and they're welding on the frame or on the other side of the rear end or something like that. So just be very, very aware when you're welding to keep the ground as close as you can and make sure it's on the same component that you're welding. Uh, so don't just, uh, don't just um, put it wherever and think you're going to be good to go. Cause like I had a, I had a drag strut, you know, 750 $900 strut the other day that, came in and it had a, it was leaking and, you know, customer was upset because it was a very, you know, it was a very new ship, new strut. And as soon as you look at it, you can tell exactly what it was. And it was the, 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 they welded some lower control arm mounts, some limiters on it. And they had the ground on the frame and they welded on the lower control arm and it arced right through it.
0: Yeah. That'll tear up a shock. <laughs>
1: yeah. I've seen cases where people have had grounds on frames and try to weld a weld a muffler on a, on exhaust and arc cam bearings in the motors. Ooh. I mean, there's just elect, electricity like that's not very easy on anything. It'll it'll arc whatever it wants to arc, whatever's yeah. the path of least resistance.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and often shocks are are it. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure.
0: But it's a great tip. I mean, and it, it, especially with some of these um, shocks can be incredibly expensive these days. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You take,
1: you take that, uh, that strut for instance. I mean, that was a, that was a $400 mistake.
0: Mm.
1: By the time Mm -hmm. you get shipping and parts and labor and everything, it it was a $400 mistake.
0: Mm. Ouch. Ouch. Um, I see Mitch is here. He's watching from Dave Hammond country in Iowa. So yeah. Cool deal. Yeah. Great. Um, and now you also work with all kinds of different cars of course you know with what i do it's you know i deal with a lot of like dirt late models and street stocks but you know a lot of these events that you go to you know tell us about all the different kind of cards cars you work with
1: uh i mean over 16 years there i've worked with just about everything you can think of in motorsports with it um you know drag cars road course uh pavement dirt um you know, Northeast Modified, Sprint Cars, Mini Sprints, Midgets. Uh, we do some stuff for Airboats. Um, you know, a lot of your streetcar stuff, Pulling Trucks. Pulling Trucks is one, actually, I've gotten into more in the last few years. I've got several guys here, local, that I've do some. i done some custom tuning with. It's been really good. Um, it's it, definitely different. It's a lot, a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, just you you name it, uh you know, I worked with uh, Speedway and their autocross team there for a couple of years, and got to work with Alan Sir Jr. and Robbie Unser, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And so, I mean, I've I've gotten to do quite a bit of different things.
0: Well, I bet the cool thing is you can learn things from one segment that you can bring to another segment.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's uh, certainly things, uh, you know, whether it be brakes or cooling or engages and things like that that you you find issues in other in other markets that you're able to solve it before it causes issues in another market mm-hmm. uh, and also just you know handling trends I mean it doesn't matter if it's a if it's a pavement light model or if it's a an autocross car you know there's certain things that you do both of them to make them turn
0: well and also in that time I'll bet you've seen trends like kind of come and go and then come oh yeah again
1: <laughs> yeah come and go come and go come and go and you know we uh <laughs> Sprint car world's probably the one that's the, the craziest with that. I know when I first started, you know, the pro twin tube was really, really popular. Our twin tube shock in general was really popular. And then everything kind of switched over and went towards a gas shock. And then it came back to a twin tube and then it went to a gas shock. And now everybody, all the FK stuff is switching back over to twin tube. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really funny how all that goes. The same thing in uh, dirt modifieds, you know, we went from, a lot of twin tube stuff to where now we're using a lot of a lot of gas, base valve, big bulb head style shocks. And then uh, we've got quite a few guys here local that are now back on like a pro twin tube shock again. So it definitely, definitely goes in circles that that whole uh, heavyweight left rear axle tube stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, Jimmy Owens was doing that back in the early 2000s. Uh, I'm sure they were doing it even before then and it went away and then it came back and now it's gone away again. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it definitely goes in big circles.
0: Yes. It looks like, uh, Henry's got another question here. He says, what would you suggest for tracks to change to for good valving? I run a 74 series from BHE at Florence, but all the other tracks require the 14. What do you suggest for a shock package for low horsepower mods?
1: So if we're going to go with that 14 series, um, I definitely keep that one pretty, pretty basic. Um, you know, we do have that 3.8 for the right front. I usually keep that on there pretty well all the time. Uh, left front, there's a couple different shocks to play with. I like to tune with the left front shock. Um, you know, the standard, I'm going to call it, is more like a 5.5, five, a straight five, or in some cases we might do a 4.6. And then, if it's a really uh, slick, kind of more stop and go style racetrack, uh, I'll do a 5.3 on the left front. Right rear, uh, usually just a straight fours are kind of our standard shock. And then our slick shock may be a 3.5. Uh, and then, um, yeah, so if, if we did 14 series, uh, that would cover that rule. Or really, a lot of these valvings, we can do it on the 74s as well. but. Uh, and then the left rear typically just a nine two. I hardly ever, hardly ever get away from that. Um, it just it works really well with a lot of the mods. Even really the low horsepower stuff really can use that a lot.
0: Great, and that's all non-adjustable, no bulbs.
1: Yeah, that's all non-adjustable, no bulbs. Well, actually, fourteen series is non is non take apart in general. Oh, um, but, but yeah, a lot of those numbers though that that three eight right front, the five or five three left front uh, a four or a three, five right rear, just that straight nine 2 left rear. I pretty well start with that with everybody, no matter what series they're running. And then we can tune from there, you know, so we can say, okay, this is what I like. This is what I'm having problems with. Okay. Well, let's, and it may not be a shock change. It may be a spring change or other things. Um, we'll, we'll, t- we'll tune around that from there, um, and get you, get you going better.
0: Great. Another question here uh, from Russ. He says, what are your thoughts on adding rebound to the right rear shock when the track goes dry slick? Uh,
1: That's usually a good thing. Um, You can definitely gain some grip off the corner. Um, The one thing I have ran into is in extreme cases, if you go like really, really heavy on right rear rebound, um, A, it can make you really tight in the center where you can't rotate the center and then you won't have drive off. Uh, B, if there is any kind of a hole or cushion, you cannot touch it. If you touch it with that right rear, with all that extra rebound in it, you're going to knock the ball down. <laughs> it, um, it will definitely tighten the car up in a hurry. Um, it'll, it'll pull the right front over. Um, but it is a good thing to do for sure. Um, you know, if you had a straight, a standard four to start with, and we went to, let's say a five or a six rebound, It's going to be, it's going to tighten it up some for sure in the center and a little bit off. Um, But if we jumped on up and we went to say like an eight or nine or a 10 rebound, uh, you, you definitely may get too tight. And definitely if you ever hit a cushion with it, you're in trouble.
0: Good to know. And then Tim has a question. He says, I liked the AFCO ultralight 16 plus rotor and the pillar vane 1.25 directional rotors. So did I. Are they discontinued? (laughs) I've seen them on back order for the past year, but haven't checked lately.
1: Uh, So the 16 plus rotor is discontinued. Uh, The source we had for that basically went defunct. So we can't really get that one very easily anymore. Uh, The pillar vane and a quarter. Pretty well discontinued a lot of those because the there's really not many cars that run an inch and a quarter rotor any, anymore in the dirt world. Uh, most everybody's on 810s. We do have the pillar Vane 810 back in stock finally. Um, so that's, that's good to have. Uh, but yes, I agree. I like that ultralight, that rotor too. Um, it worked good on the fronts. If you're heavy breakers, it wasn't that good on the rear. Um, I think... I'd have to look, Kate, but I may still have some of those.
0: Hmm. Well, you know, I'll you know I'll buy them because these are the ones I have now. Um, I'm going to drop a link in, but I have the uh, cast iron brake rotor left, well, left hand or right hand slotted, pillared vein style 11.75.
1: Yeah, that's the A10s.
0: Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, the quarter stuff. That stuff uh, over the last five years is pretty well just died.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, and it just—I guess it has happened to work out that the place you were getting them from, like, to have those issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Because I suppose you could have them made if they were popular enough.
1: Yeah. If they came back in volume and came back in demand, we definitely, you know, could find another vendor to make them. But you know, when you're there, are some of those things, some of those rotors, those inch and a quarters, we got down to where we're only selling sell twenty or twenty-five a year. Hmm. And I mean, you gotta, you gotta buy them a thousand at a time at a minimum.
0: That'll take you a while to go through. Yeah,
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: 25 at a time. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that that would be very challenging for me to be like, look months in advance for what I need. Yeah. Um, And it is, is, I mean, there's,
1: there's some vendors that we work with that we have to plan a couple years in advance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some some of us like playing, uh, playing craps. Sometimes you just, you got to throw the dice and see what sticks.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I mean, and, and I'm sure, uh, I mean, how did that work with like supply chain and all of that? Is everything cleared up for you guys on that or? Yeah,
1: we're, we're pretty good shape. Um, you know, we've got, oh, I think there's only a couple parts that we really have many issues with. Um, and it's, it's more a vendor issue than it is the part itself. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're, we're really good shape on a lot of stuff. Uh, You know, all of the, there was a time there where the gauges got really, really long lead times and things like that. But a lot of that's came down quite a bit. I know at one time we were up to 18 months lead time on gauges. Mm. And, you know, now we're, we're back down to about six and a half to nine months to get those, Mm. but still it's, it's a long time. Um, But yeah, we're, we're sitting in good shape for sure on on a lot of that stuff.
0: Yeah, I just I just put in order. I don't know, I guess a couple of weeks ago, and it just like shipped right out. So it's yeah. no problem. I kind of had a run on radiators and went and just ordered them, and boom, they were there. Yeah,
1: yeah, we finally got caught up on some radiators. I know that uh, that one eighty five NDP that you use. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had we had a lot of problems getting enough of those, and we finally got ahead of that. So.
0: Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah, I had no problem getting them, so that made me that made me happy. Yep. Looks like we have another question here from Mike. He says, "Hi, Kate and Ben. Mike from Pennsylvania. Another happy Monday. I didn't get to use my product certificate from the Rush Race Logic Chassis class. Could you still honor that? Um, I think that I don't think those expire till the end of the year.
1: Uh, I think those expire June thirtieth.
0: Oh, did they? Gotcha. Yeah,
1: yeah. But gotcha. Mike, if uh, I think you should have my email address on that or. Or just get a hold of me. And we can take care of you. Cool.
0: Yeah, but a random dog outside, and I don't know what happened. Like, there's no dogs around here. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, whose dog is that? It has a collar. <laughs> like, anyway, sorry. That was it. Was totally. Yeah. Uh, I mean, off, that's why I keep looking off camera. I'm like, where did that dog come from? But uh, Everybody has
1: decided to call me tonight while we're in the middle of this, too.
0: Yeah, you're like the most popular person. I, I guess I'm very honored that you're on the podcast. Well, I mean, besides being popular and going to all these events and everything, I'll bet you have seen just some crazy stuff along the way.
1: Yeah, I, have, I had a good one this year. Um, so, I was in the Dakota Tour up north, and uh, one really good friend of mine he's uh he's from Canada and we've we've I've known him for many many years anyhow we we got to race and they run you know an IMCA modified with a crate motor in it so usually you're you're beating a chip to death everywhere you go and I noticed that I never could hear his chip you know we was running okay but it always seemed like he was a little down on power and things like that so you know I checked some simple things like, you know, holding throttle wide open at the, at the carburetor and everything went wide open. And, you know, we just kind of kept throwing gear in and doing different things. So finally we go to his home track and, um, you know, he comes in and, and, you know, he's like, he told me what gear he put in and he goes, man, if we don't hit the chip now, we got something wrong. So he goes out and hot laps and he didn't, he didn't hit it. So he comes in and I go over there and I see him messing around with the gas pedal and whatnot and I was like, what are you doing? He goes, I finally figured it out that whenever I'm strapped in the seat, I can't push the gas pedal all the way down. He goes, I caught myself reaching trying to push the gas pedal down more. So that was definitely a different one. I was like, Well, I never thought about checking that one, but
0: Yeah, definitely not one where you would think that <laughs> Just, yeah, you, can't, you can't put it to yeah. the floor because you're too strapped in and seats yeah, I, away. It was Ooh. that was
1: definitely a goofy one for sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hey, at least it explained all the problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Looks like we got another question here from Henry. He says, Ben, the three three eight you suggested is not in stock. What shock series would could would you suggest as some drivers are tired of not being able to get shocks, and the sanction is thinking about changing
1: in the body.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh what is yeah. your professional opinion on a shock change rule to replace the 14 series
1: um well one i don't know on the 3-8 we should have those in stock now it shouldn't be a problem uh b on the 14 series i mean me personally professionally um i do not like a non take apart shock like this i've never been a fan of it um you know there's just a lot of a lot of inherent issues with a non-take-apart mass-produced shock like that shock is. Um, from a, an opinion on what you should do to replace it, I mean, there really isn't a non-take-apart shock out there that you can get. So you're going to have to do some type of a take-apart shock. And and either the sanctioning bodies say, okay, it can be these part numbers and send them back and forth to us if they suspect someone's done something to them, because, you know, granted. Anything you could cheat, you know, like a fourteen series. I've got two guys right now I can call right now and, and have them rebuilt into whatever valve you want, and they're about eight hundred bucks a piece to do it. So mm-hmm. it can be cheated. There, there's no doubt about it. um So this goes back to the sanction bodies on what, how they want to work it. You know, if they want to, if they want to get the shock and then send it back to us and then we can inspect it to see what parts and pieces are in it to say, yeah, this, this has been tampered with or not tampered with. We can certainly do that. Uh, really any, any manufacturer will do that. They're willing to work with sanctioned body to get something like that done. Um, but yeah, I don't know that the whole shock rule thing, you know, sanctioned bodies trying to, trying to save money for the racer by, by picking on shocks. Um, it's, I think, the wrong way to go. Um, and I, I'm not a huge fan of like a spec shock. So a shock that only one manufacturer has. I think that every manufacturer has a series that would fit within a dollar rule that a sanctioned body could come up with. So say, for instance, if uh, the class you're running where you're running that 14 series, if the sanctioned body said, OK, it has to be under $250 a corner you know, for that shock us and all the other manufacturers have got a shock that'll fit in that rule. You can do whatever you want to after you buy it, but the raw shock itself, you know, has to be under that $250. Um, You know, some sanctioned bodies, they have a claim in place. You know, you can claim any shock on the car for $50 or $100 in some sanctioned bodies. Um, To me, that kind of, that kind of helps police it too. It kind of keeps people honest, you know, yeah, the first year you're going to have a whole bunch of shocks get bought cheap from different people. But after that, it'll kind of settle down and kind of straighten itself out. So I've seen, I've seen a little bit of everything work. I see issues with a little bit of everything. Um, You know, in the end uh, we, we all love the sport and we want to try to keep it as cheap as possible, but also know that speed costs money.
0: Always, always. Yeah, and people will do whatever it takes to win sometimes. Yeah, you know,
1: from a manufacturing standpoint, it's difficult at times because I think that as a company, we have done a good job trying to keep um, a lot of our shocks or other parts affordable. Um, You know, we, if you look at our stuff traditionally, we're we're not always the one with the latest and greatest trick and trinket coming out. Uh, In a lot of cases, we just feel like it's not the best thing for the sport. You know that, yeah, we can go out and we can make a dirt modified shock that costs fifteen hundred dollars. and We can sell it all day long, uh, but is it the right thing for the sport?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it really isn't. So, you know, we're not we're not going to go down that avenue unless someone else does it, and we see all the market you know shift to that. When I mean, we then we have to react to it, but we don't want to be the one that's leading that really high end expensive direction like that.
0: I think that's a really wise way to go and, and very kind because it, it, if we run out of racers who can afford to race, then yep. we're all out, you know, yep. we're, we're dependent on that. For right.
1: Sure. I like, I like what I do. And I, I have, we have to have racers to, to keep doing it.
0: Absolutely. Yes. They're they're at the core. I see we have a couple more comments here. So uh Scott says WP shocks are awesome so cool and henry has a question i agree that's why i run a 74 series from bhe those cheap shocks have room for improvement to be polit- politically correct <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have room for, for improvement. Well, well, you know
1: and, and you say cheap shock but in the end there's no such thing anymore
0: mm-hmm.
1: i mean those those non-take apart shocks i mean they're going to be they're going to be 150 bucks by the time you get them all there and everything a piece where you know, take apart one like that 74 series you can buy for a little over 200 bucks. So,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then you can service it and and do all the things.
1: Yeah, okay. you can service it. You know, so the same, what I've argued with a lot of rules making people is, okay, you buy this cheaper shock for 120 bucks this year and you buy it again next year for 120 bucks. Or you buy this shock here that um, you pay $200 to start with. And then I'm going to freshen it for $50 and I got a brand new shock for $50 next year. Or, hey, I changed car brands and uh, the valving I had there wouldn't work. So instead of me going to buying another $120 shock that's the right valving, I'll just have this one revalve for $50. Bucks. Mm-hmm. Well, the operating cost is a lot less on a take-apart than the operating cost on a, on a non-take-apart.
0: Oh, for sure. Because you've got all these interchangeable parts. And and you can just yeah. change a valve, if, or if it has a
1: if it has an issue, I mean, you can, it's just like a motor. You can have an mm-hmm. issue with a motor on one lap. You can have an issue with a shock on one lap. If it's that 74 series or, or take apart, I could fix it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, yeah. if it's a non take apart style shock, sorry, get another.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're disposable. So what's yeah. what's better? You know, um, I, I I agree with you and your sentiment no. with all of that for sure and seeing if there's another question here well and we've talked a lot about shocks and but, but you also work with uh all the long acre stuff too yep. so all the gauges and and everything what um i'll bet you have qu- quite a few uh, uh tips or recommendations about dealing electrical systems
1: yeah so i mean gauges in general um you know we've learned a lot i mean i i I'm aware of gauges and aware of electronics and things like that before we purchased Longacre. But there's definitely been a pretty steep learning curve since we bought them. And, um, you know, the water, of course, is your worst enemy on a lot of stuff. You know, we learned that real quick with the original stepper motor gauge. And that's the reason why we, you know, redesigned all that and made that completely waterproof. So, you know, your stepper gauges today, you know, you're more high-end gauge. You can pressure warfare as all you want to. And you're perfectly fine. You take them and dunk them in a bucket of water, and they'll they'll be just fine. Um, or a lot of the other stepper motor gauges and digital gauges like that, you can't do that. So you know, washing the car, you've got to a be very very careful where you're directing that pressure washer. But you know, in some cases, that matter. Just the just the mist can do it, or a really high hu- humid day can do it. You know, if you're racing in southern Louisiana where the humidity is 99% and 300 degrees, uh, it's, <laughs> it's probably going to eventually get some corrosion in there and cause problems. Uh, so, you know, definitely, you know, when you wash the car, be very, very aware of where you're directing that water, you know, keeping away from electronics, keeping away from switches. Um, I've learned some stuff on switches this year to where, um, you know, we're going to come out with some new stuff at PRI. Uh, to help combat some issues there that we've seen. And and it's not just with our switches. We've seen them with other manufacturers as well. Uh, But but we want to try to keep, you know, making the product better and address those issues.
0: Um, Yeah. I'm excited to see your new switches.
1: Yeah, we've, we've got those. Um, We've got some new scales that we're coming out with that we're releasing at PRI that I'm really, really excited about. They're, they're pretty, they're going to be pretty good.
0: Now, you know, if we talked about trends a little bit earlier, you know, how many guys are really scaling their cars these days versus. Yeah. Just... And
1: that's a, that's a pretty hot button with me. Um,
0: Sorry. I, know, we, I didn't mean to press that. Yes.
1: No, it's a good one. Cause you know, scales are very, very important. Um, you know, everybody thinks well, I, my load numbers are right. Okay. So you took a load number from a, from a welded point to another welded point that you don't know is in the same spot after you knocked the wall down last weekend. Uh, so if you take a lower control arm on a dirt late model, for instance, you take a spindle on a dirt late model, that's a welded fabricated part that's put together by a human being They can mess up just as well as anybody else. And you pull your load numbers and okay, we're good to go, you go to the racetrack. You, you really don't know. So if you take a brand new car and you put everything on that car, as you think is the best parts. And you scale that car and you and you get rye heights and you get, uh, you know, different points to the ground locations. You make these notes. Now, when you do knock the front clip off of it or do something to it um, and you put all the new parts back on it, you can go back and scale the car and get those numbers back and then you know where your home base is. So, you know, load numbers are great. I use them all the time. Um, you know, we reference them all the time. But in the end, all those load numbers are based off of scale numbers. Um, You know, every car is going to be a little bit different. Um, So it's, in my mind now, used to, we would scale every week. Every single week you'd scale. Uh, Today's world, we don't scale that much. But I still think it's a very... Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I I regret my dad had a... Had like feed scales, I think is maybe what they were. You know, I grew up in yep. Dad's car. We, yeah. So I love how compact scales have become and wireless. And it, it's just really a great package from what I've seen from Long Acre before. Of course, I yeah. haven't seen your new stuff.
1: Yeah. The, uh, <clears throat> I still like grain scales. I don't have a set of them, but I do like them. Um, the nice thing about grain scales when you used to use those is I'm not a, I'm not a small guy and they made them really easy to get under cars.
0: Hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Cause they're, yeah. Cause they're pretty high up in the air <laughs> for sure. That's, that's great. Yep. Yep. Yes. Um, and what about, uh, um, some cooling tips? I'm sure you've got quite a few of those, but what, what would be one, one tip you would, you would give to racers about cooling? I, we're coming out of the really dead heat of summer, but, um, yeah. Any mistakes you've seen out there? and
1: uh, I think the biggest thing with cooling, uh, just keeping stuff clean and cleaning it properly. Uh, you know, we've talked about it in seminars about, you know, getting the kiddie pool. I think Dave even made like a little tank that he submerged the radiator in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so doing those things and not using pressed air and not using a pressure washer directly. Um, doing all those things can certainly make sure you keep the radio in the best condition it can be in.
0: Yeah, definitely. Looks like uh, Joe has a comment here. He says, uh, "Wireless uh, long acre scales continuously lock up at our track. Batteries changed often, no improvement. Any suggestions?"
1: So the biggest thing on the on our wireless scales is that first generation wireless was was basically a line of sight. So on our scales the the side of the scale that has the on off switch they all need to be facing the same direction. So if you have let's say you're standing still there?
0: Yeah, I'm I can hear you. Yeah. Let's say you're standing is what last thing I heard. Can you hear me? There you go. Okay. Yeah. uh, The last thing I heard is, uh, so if you're standing.
1: Yeah, if you're standing on the left side of the car, all of the on-off switches need to be facing the left side of the car. And that'll that'll keep the connectivity together quite a bit. Um, If it's the app itself that freezes and shuts down, um, there's some settings and different updates that you go through Android that causes some of those issues. Make sure that apps and the make sure the app and make sure the software in the tablet continuously stays updated. If it gets out of date, sometimes there's little gremlins that run around and can cause those issues. Uh, we've That's one area with the wireless stuff that is a pain when you're using those tablets, because, you know, what's good today is gone tomorrow in electronics mm-hmm. and um, all those gremlins sorted out
0: great um yeah that was that was very very helpful and i see one more question here from henry saying do you sell rebuild kits for your brake calipers
1: uh it depends on which caliper you're looking at uh as far as like four piston caliper stuff we do uh the steel gm calipers we don't um those are really just kind of a throwaway part if you get to that point where it needs a rebuild kit it needs a lot of other help as well so You're better, better money spent just to put a new one on it.
0: Good to know. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that's something that we've, we've, you and I have talked about is that some parts are, it's not that they're disposable, but yet they need to be replaced on a yearly basis. Yeah. There's,
1: they're they're a commodity mm -hmm. part. They're a cheap commodity part. And part of it's our own fault. We're not going to pay, you know, three times the amount of money is what we think we should because, you know, we want stuff cheaper. Uh, Master cylinders is a prime example. You know, you can make a master cylinder that lasts for two or three years, but in the end, if um, no one wants to spend $250 on a master cylinder, they want to spend 70 bucks on a master cylinder. So you get a $70 part, you know, so that's that's a one year and done deal. You take them off the car, throw them away, put new ones on it. You might get away the next year with no problems, but the likelihood goes up every year that you continue to run those.
0: Well what kind of problems do master cylinders run into As far as when they were worn out
1: I lost so, you there would you say oh
0: sorry so what what kind of problems do master cylinders run into you know that makes it so they wouldn't that what, what's going to break in them I'm curious.
1: saw so a master cylinder, you've got aluminum bore with aluminum piston? you know, yes, they're anodized and things like that, but you've got aluminum part rubbing on aluminum part. There's an O-ring in there that rubs on that same aluminum part. So if you get a little scratch in it because you have aluminum rubbing on aluminum, and then now that cuts the O-ring that's in there. And granted, our, the O-ring surface that touches or the sealing surface that touches is probably, I'm going to say, 20 thousandths of an inch wide is all it is. So a little nick makes a huge bypass when you're dealing with you know, 400 pounds of line pressure. Mm-hmm. So it's just, a, it doesn't take much to, to cause an issue.
0: Mm, makes sense. I guess I've just never asked the question before. So that was <laughs> that was a good one. So I, so I guess we're kind of having in and out, um, issues. What, what else, what else would you like the viewers to know about AFCO Longacre, um, your shocks and any of that?
1: Uh, I think the biggest thing is, you know, we're, we've, uh, set out an endeavor We're we've got a bunch of new products that's coming over the next few years. And, um, you know, we're continuing to work and, and get involved in different markets and, um, just try to keep building good parts.
0: And now where are you going to be over the next few months? I know a couple of the places.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. I've got to go to the office next week for a few days. And then I'm going to be at Mon Mania for one night in Granite city. um, and then I've got the first full week of October. I'm at the USRA Nationals in Wheatland at Lucas Oil Speedway. Um, definitely got PRI coming up in December. Uh, I'm going to SEMA this year. Uh, and then the first, the week of SEMA, the, the Duel in the desert, the original Duel in the desert is in Vegas. And then the following week, the the USRA mods are, are out there as well. So uh, yeah, it'll PRI will sneak up on us before you know it.
0: Oh, absolutely. And then right after that is the cars yeah. racing show. Of course, I got to put a plug in there. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I've got uh, that. And, and then two That's race logic. Yep. right Two race logic classes back to back every weekend in, in yep. January. So, so yeah.
1: I'm going to try to go to, I'm going to try to go probably to Thursday night to the dome race.
0: Oh, nice. You know,
1: weekend after PRI.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's become a, a yearly event that's a lot of people um, yep. kind of combine the two. Uh, looks like uh, we got another question. Yeah, it's hard for
1: me to go to that one. Yeah. It's hard for me to go that one over my parents' Christmas, so oh yeah yeah
0: yeah like you're not away enough right (laughs) let's see there's another comment here so was from donnie and shane hello kate and ben a grain scales are all we've ever used like ben said you have to have a home base ben how how is mark bush doing and what is he up to these days
1: uh last i talked to mark i probably haven't talked to him for a few months but uh He was doing well. Uh, You know, they build uh, the MBR modifieds there in uh, where he lives. And uh, as far as I know, he's doing well. I think he's just doing one seminar a year now. Um, But but other than that, yeah, he's doing well.
0: Great. All righty. All right. So in order to find Ben, of course, you're on, on Facebook and then Afco, um, AFCO performance group and you have all of the separate social media channels. Um, I know your marketing director, Carrie, she does an amazing job with all the emails. And I'm sure you contribute to that too. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you do. But Carrie does a great job with all of your uh, social media and email marketing. And I, I see all of her content so um so you can catch up with ben at any any uh contact information you want to give out yeah yes yeah oh i guess oh i guess we're kind of breaking up here so yeah yeah yeah, so so uh we'll just kind of wrap things up here but i I just want to let people know where to find you
1: uh yeah so you can do uh afco racing like kate said you've got several uh facebook and twitter and other accounts you can get a hold of me um i do have a facebook page um but yeah um if you call the 800 number they can get you transferred to me as well
0: great well i want to thank you so much for being on the show with me and uh thank everybody for for uh listening in and watching on youtube and facebook and uh definitely will I'll be back next Monday with a new guest and talking about things and uh, look forward to seeing you guys next week so thanks see you next week